Hi, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of Enhancing Human Experience podcast. I'm Mark Phillips, and I am really glad you tuned in today. My guest, Megan Bryant, is an author, a comedian, an improv coach, and a mother of four. And also, I would call her an overachiever. She does a lot of cool stuff. She is funny, very engaging and interesting to watch her social media posts on her Facebook page, which of course I'll have links in the show notes on my website at gmarkphillips.com. Excuse me, that's the social website is gmarkphillips.com. But super interested in what she's doing in the world. That's why I invited her to be a guest on the show. And I may have mentioned this in a prior episode that I actually took one of her improv classes. One of the things she does is she puts on improv classes to anyone who wants to go, but also to corporate America, right? Helping them be more open and live a yes and life. And we'll talk about that in this episode. She'll talk about what that is and how it can help you have better experience in your professional career, in your personal life. And speaking from my own experience, it was one, it was pretty uncomfortable to, to go and do, but what do we know about life, right? The things that are uncomfortable push us out of our comfort zone. They're the things we need to do, right? And, but it was super rewarding. I came away f- with feeling a little bit more empowered, right? Or I should say a lot more empowered. Like I'd just done something that was way outside of my comfort zone and had a better sense of connection with people and got out of my shell a little bit, right? And so if you're in the Boise area and you want to learn more about her improv classes, we'll have links in the show notes at gmarkphillips.com where you can find out how to do that and connect with Megan and learn more about what she's doing in the world. So we talk a lot about, we talk a lot in this episode, we pack a lot in. I wanted to touch on all of her things that she does. Like I said, she's a rock star. So stay tuned for this episode and you will, I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we jump into the episode, let me just remind you that if you haven't picked up Being is Your Superpower, that's the free PDF download that you can find at justbeitbook.com, you should go do that. And the reason you should do that is because of it's filled with people that will definitely inspire you and remind you that as a human being, being is your superpower. The ability to decide who you want to be and how you want to show up in the world to then attract the things and experiences you want to have. Sounds pretty good, right? What I did in this PDF is in my journey and all through my travels, I'm really tuned in when I hear people talk about how they reinvented themselves, became a different person to have different experiences in life. And I'm really tuned into that. So when I hear people on talk shows or in podcasts or in videos on YouTube, I capture that link, I save the spot that it happened, and I built this PDF download, which has links to all that content, but also timestamps. So you can jump right to the specific part of the video. You don't have to watch the whole thing because some of these things are, you know, hour or two long. But it's people sharing their story about how they how they became a different person in order to have different experiences. It's people like Dan Locke, a super successful entrepreneur up in Vancouver, British Columbia, sharing his story about being a professional public speaker. And it's people like David Goggins. You know David Goggins, right? The Navy SEAL who kind of rose to fame after Jeffrey 
Eitzer wrote the book Living with the Navy Seal, and that put him on the map, but he was well on his way to being on the map prior to that. Super inspiring guy talking about how he reinvented himself and changed the direction and the and the tangent of his life, right? He just went in a way that was super awesome. He created the life that he wanted, not the life that he kind of was falling into by default. So his story is really inspiring to me. Also, people like uh, Gary Keller, who, of course, is the co-founder of Keller Williams Realty, and his idea that it's not about the money, it's about being the best you can be, right? That's kind of his one of his core philosophies. When you be the best you can be, you're going to attract experiences that are the best experiences you can have. Do you see the kind of the common theme here? So that is available, at, like I said, at justbeitbook.com. It's called Being is Your Superpower. Download it. It's free. And then it'll take you to each of these pieces of content. And so what's the purpose of me sharing this with you? Well, the purpose is to inspire you. When we see other people doing awesome stuff, what does that do to us? It inspires us. At least it does for me. And so I hope that you're inspired to start asking yourself this question of what qualities, characteristics, and attributes do I need to embody? What persona, what identity, how do I need to reinvent myself in order to put me into alignment with what I want, right? That's the internal question and dialogue that hopefully you're going to have after you do that. Again, it's at justbeitbook.com. Go pick it up. So let's jump into this episode with Megan um, and find out what she's doing, how comedy and laughter has helped her heal and helped her become a you know more open in the world and get through challenging situations. Lots of goodness in this episode. And she shares a lot of nuggets that you can apply to your life. I know I took a lot away from this episode as I'm listening and making notes about some of the things that she's gone through and the experiences she's had that are kind of common in the human experience. You know, we're all fighting or in certain types of challenges in our life, overcoming certain challenges. And when we learn from one another, we can definitely take get takeaways and find out little uh, tips to improve our experience. So there's a lot of goodness in this episode. Without further ado, let's jump in and hear what Megan has to say. Megan, thanks for hanging out with me on the podcast. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, I guess the first question I want to start off with is, you know, why are you making the rest of us like, um, you're kind of showing us up, you do a lot of stuff. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, I've always been an overachiever, I think it's trust you, me, you don't want to be on this side of, on this side of <laughs> is, it, is it rough for you? Is that what you're telling us? It, 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 well, it's an interesting challenge, because it's not, uh, you know, it's not like when I back in the day, I have had a, other corporate jobs, and you just get a go and know what your tasks are and be done for the day. And, and that's certainly not the way it is when, when you do the types of things I do, it's always going. <laughs> I can, I can imagine you do a lot, you know, and I want to cover all those things or try to cover all those things in the, in your interview today. Um, so you have, you have had a corporate job. I take it in the past. Oh, yeah. Yep. I was in retail banking for 10 years. I was a branch manager for many of those years. So managed a lot of money and people and, um, then I also spent another handful of years managing federal grants from FEMA for volunteer firefighter programs. 
Um, and of course, you know, things like Dairy Queen, whatever. I have, I've had a job ever, ever since, uh, like literally the day I was legal to work and I've always had at least one or two jobs to, I guess maybe I always have. Yeah. I've always been an overachiever. I'm like, hmm, I've had a lot you, of, you kind of, and I, and I got that from your book and I want to yeah. touch on that. So you, so you're right. You seem like you're like a really hard worker yeah. to, I'm curious about the the time and where you transitioned from that world, working for other people mm-hmm. into doing your own thing. Talk about, was it like, mm. I'm done with that and I'm going here? Or was it down a baby stepped in? What'd you oh, do there? Boy. I don't baby step anywhere ever. Um, <laughs> it was a little more abrupt than I had wanted. I Ever since I started doing comedy and, and writing and doing all these other things, as a a hobby, I knew I wanted to eventually see if I could have it be just my primary function. And so when I had my last day job, I was actually six months pregnant at the time, and I was not very happy with how some of the things were going down um, in the workplace. There was some um, inappropriate use of funds and some challenging workplace um, relationships. And that was when I was um, managing those grants with uh, the government money and and so I was kind of um, done there. And, and I'm not the kind of person that can hide my feelings or emotions. I'm pretty blunt. Mm-hmm. So I had started piping in on things that I was not comfortable with that were happening in the workplace. And uh, I actually got fired when I was six months pregnant. And wow. um, yeah, it was not ideal. And uh, I did go <laughs> for a couple of interviews for jobs that would have I would have had a good skill set for. And not that anyone would ever say it out loud, but I could see the looks on people's faces when I'm coming into interview and I'm like bulging human. And, you know, so I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to get hired another job. And and so I just put my nose to the grind and just went all in, dug in my heels and was like, okay, now I got to figure out how to really put my money where my mouth is literally to be able to feed myself and like, yeah, with all these things that I've at the time had been working on, you know, close to 10 years and, and so, yeah, sure. I haven't gone back. That so, was almost five years. Coming up on five years ago is when the transition, I was kind of pushed over the ledge, ready or not. <laughs> so would you say, did you say, would you say you kind of had a, your back against the wall and you had no choice and you just went for it? A little bit. Yeah, it was like, but it was exciting. It was like, I mean, it was scary, obviously, at the time to suddenly not have steady income and to be pregnant and then have um, lost those benefits and things that... Uh, are kind of important mm-hmm. that we sort of get comfortable with. Um, but I was so unhappy with the things that were going on that I, I just was like, well, okay, whatever. That I'm not afraid of a challenge. Um, and even when I do get scared, I put on my brave face real good. And I, mm-hmm. yeah, I just thought, you know, I'd been working on it long enough to kind of be like, here's, here's what should happen. And I was still married at the time. And so there, there was uh, still some income from my um, ex-husband's job and whatnot. And so I was like, well, We've mm-hmm. got some stuff in savings. I know that I'm going to work my butt off. I'm just going to go for it and see what happens. And so yeah, there we are. Yeah. What was that when you started Zip Zap Zop, or was that yeah. comedy more? That, that was the official start of Zip Zap Zop, which I hardly use that name anymore. Really, the thing that, that I've so? learned. Yeah, I, I use the. I, sometimes companies like to see my formal, like the website that I have for Zip Zap Zop which is like team building, corporate training, uh, you know, leadership retreats, all using the applied skills of improv. And I still do all of that. It just became that I had so many different, um, what either websites or places that I was sending people, it confuses people what I do anyway. And so 
the last several years, I've mm-hmm. really been dialing it back in and it's really just all, everything falls under the Megan Bryant brand, which is just easier. Oh, um, so I still okay. do all those trainings. It's just easier to send everybody to one website, to my website that now has a page for the corporate training, a page for the comedy. I'd been doing comedy and stuff since 2006. I just hadn't really formalized it. And my brother and I kind of came up with that name, the zip, zap, zop, the team building, like as far as making it presentable, putting together the marketing mm-hmm. pieces, we'd already been doing it though for a while um, in, in small doses, both performing for company parties and doing interactive workshops. And so it was just a matter of structuring so that it looked formal for potential clients. But that was definitely mm-hmm. when it was like, yeah, game on. I had to make it look, um, look like what it was. I already knew it worked. I already believed in it. Yeah. I had people that loved it. And, um, and then, yeah, it was like, okay, well, so yeah, you do what you, you perform comedy and you exactly. write books. And, you <laughs> and so then, then began the journey these past four and a half, five years of stopping doing the things that I knew I could do in order to put all the energy towards the stuff I love the most and think have the greatest impact. Isn't isn't that awesome when because it almost is like we have an unlimited supply of energy to do things we love. Yeah. Whereas if you're doing something you don't love, there's like super limited, isn't it? Yeah. And it, yeah, it is really you can very much feel it when you are in your groove, when you are totally in that space where you are, I don't know, meant to be, I guess is a cheesy way to say it. But yeah, I can tell when I'm doing something that is from my very core, something that I feel like is serving humanity. Um, and the more I can just hone in on that one thing. Um, I love doing a lot of different things. And that's the thing that's been really difficult in my particular case is that I really actually love doing a lot of things in the creative space. I can use comedy for writing, for TV commercials, for stuff online. I mean, there's, and just performing can't, um, straight up comedy shows, stand up or improv. Um, and so narrowing it down sometimes also means having to let go of some of the things I actually also like that are just not resulting in what I need right now to sustain my life as a single mom. Yeah. Well, how do you grapple with that and choose which project to work on if you have multi things that you're interested in? I finally... How do you decide? Yeah, it, it's... Um, toggling back and forth was getting me nowhere. Um, not too long ago, I actually got out a big stack of three by five cards. I wrote down on each card, everything that I do, every type of project, every, like from everything from freelance writing for magazines to, um, helping organizations put on a comedy show for a nonprofit fundraiser to all these things. Right. And, and things I want to do in the future, additional books I hope to do every single task that I have done in the recent years that I enjoyed and thought could potentially do in the future. I put every single thing on a card and then I categorized them. And now if anything, anything that does not fit in the scope of me using my love and passion for improv at the core doesn't get to be on the plate anymore. So even things. So I you make love, that tough decision and, yeah. and it goes. Yep. I had, I straight up, I put a big pile on my desk and I sorted them And some of them I kept, so I kept those cards and I sort of filed them away with maybe I'll do them later. Maybe those are a three year down Mm -hmm. the road thing, maybe a five year, maybe it'll end up, you know, I think I believe strongly in still putting things out there that we love uh, into, into the universe or whatever you want to call it. And then the timing and circumstance may line up and then it might 
fit into improv world in a different way. But even like different age groups, like people want me to do so many different things. Oh, you should do youth. I can imagine. You should do this or you should do whatever couples groups, which I've done in the past too. And I'm like, "Mm, I need to. (laughs) <laughs> I need mean, a healthier marriage or relationship in the future to do those, which it actually for me shows that it was working because I was like, ooh, I was I was in a situation where I was getting yeah butted a lot, which is opposite of yes and. But oh, really? Yeah, and um, uh-huh. and, then, you know, and obviously I had my my shortcomings as well, and so I, I just when I I will very quickly jump on to appeasing other people. I have a very strong sense of responsibility to others, and. And then I just find that I'm using those talents and skills in a way that is um, diluting it. And and so I just don't want to do that. I won't do it anymore. Yeah. I have very strong boundaries of what I will and won't do anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. And I've read that in your book. You're a, you are you sound like me, a, a reformed or a people pleaser, reformed yeah. people pleaser. Is that, <laughs> is that one of your challenges? Yeah. Yeah. And what was really magical, and I hope that anyone who's listening is if they're a people pleaser, is when you shift gears and you are honoring yourself and what you are doing like what you can do your very best at it serves other people even more it is i I am just finding that nobody is disappointed or angry at me at least not that i know of maybe they just aren't telling me if i if i politely shift that energy away from the many suggestions of the things i could do and I find ways to include them in Mm -hmm. other things that i'm already doing that i love and 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 i'm still feeling um, that void of whenever I felt like I'm not serving other people enough by serving myself to the highest capacity, it is actually bringing a lot of, um, fulfillment to how I can still provide things for other people just a little bit differently. Cause I know myself better than they do, you know? Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point and something that we all grapple with is, you know, Maybe it's the sense of we, we think we know what other people want from us, yeah. but do we really know, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because we hear, mm-hmm. I, I was just recording another podcast yesterday for my own podcast with a thought a, and a thought had come up. Like, even if we are hearing words that people are saying, we still don't understand fully exactly the lens that they're seeing it through and the experiences in their life that have led up to that moment of whatever those words are. And we have different understandings of certain words and situations and things. And so no matter what, we still will miss the mark, even if we're trying to deliver, unless it's a loose enough expectation. Like sometimes I've been asked to do something where they're like, they just trust me and they're like, okay, I need this event and you're the, and this is your strength. And so you do it, you run with it instead of other people mm. being like, this is the event and this is my image or my uh, vision of what <laughs> I want, make my vision come true. And I can't always see their vision. I can see how their concept could be. And I would know how to make it a cool thing, but it, it would probably be a different vision overall. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to execute another person's vision, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so they give you kind of carte blanche and say, hey, we know you, go and do your thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's where I like to. That's, that's like the ultimate guys. creative freedom. Uh-huh. That's that's awesome. You've, you've got to that, you've, you've made it, you've arrived. Well, not often <laughs> enough, though. I get those ones and they're so few and far between. I'm like, okay, well, that's at least where I'm setting my bar now is that it's been scary the last few months, particularly that I have said no to certain things because it's still just not quite the best fit. And I and so mm-hmm. saying no to some paychecks because I know it's just more emotionally taxing for me to um, 
even if it is one where they're like, here, yeah, you can kind of take the reins on this. I get but it. I can tell if someone is really not on board with my vision. And so there's a lot of variables that I've learned how to focus in on and still make a decision like, is this going to be the best thing in the long run? Or am I going to feel like I just got a chain around my ankle and I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be stressing about this until it's finally done and all that energy could have been going to something else. Yeah, I, I totally get it. Well, it sounds like you're tuning in a lot to what's what wants to come through you. And then there's a big contrast when someone else throws you something that is out of alignment with that. And you see it really apparently, don't you? Yeah, yeah, very much so anymore. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So let's talk about the improv um, work that you do with corporations. How has that journey been since you started? Because it seems like and I took your class. It was super awesome. It was very outside of my comfort zone. Um, nothing like I thought it was going to be for, in many ways. Mm-hmm. How has the response been and the receptivity with corporations? Are they, do they see the value? How do, you, how do you show them that this is super awesome to open people up and get them into this like free-flowing zone? Yeah, it's, it's still an ongoing challenge in many ways. From the time I really started, though, I was still building my own confidence in in marrying what I knew about corporate environment and mindset from my own experience and what I knew from how it was changing my own life and helping people understand it because it is truly experiential. And like you said, it wasn't what you expected. Like the way, mm-hmm. the way I teach improv is very much lifestyle. It's mindset. It's looking for the ways to navigate through challenges quickly and, uh, and have, um, sort of a better sense of self and respecting others around you. And so a lot of it has been like when I was really starting to dabble uh, with some strong intent, I asked a couple of people who I had, who had seen me perform improv and I asked them if they would let me, you know, back uh, the first handful of them were uh, free because I was like, Mm -hmm. the the reason it works as, as a comedy art form is because of these rules. Can I come and show you? And so then when people would see it and experience it, then it started to become driven by word of mouth. And some people um, who just, again, like people have known me in this community. I was born and raised here. They've known me in this community for a very long time. I have um, luckily or not luckily, very intentionally built a strong track record that people can rely on me. And that if I say I'm going to do something, I will deliver it no matter what, mm-hmm. which is for better or worse. Sometimes that's a burden that I uh, wish that I <laughs> yeah. bearing. Um, but it was some trial and error. It was gaining trust in myself. Um, some of them, I took some gigs that felt a little out of desperation and trying to prove that worth. And when you find yourself in a space of having to prove your worth to someone who doesn't understand the value, it actually can in many ways put you back a few steps. Mm. Um, like some people, yeah. I just, I like to meet whoever is in charge and I tell them a little bit about how it works functionally, but I don't really try to explain the activities anymore because if they don't, if they've never done it, they just, it doesn't make sense. And they will try too much to steer with what they know in a space that it's not relevant. And so really the, the phrase or the, you know, the, what they always say is trusting the process Um, I've learned from some painful um, experiences where the leader of a group tries to take over my, my segments of unpacking. They try to interject a lot instead of just participating with the group. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, a a lot of this is just me uh, lollygagging to get to the point that um, I still find a little bit of a struggle 
And I don't even push where it's someone that doesn't get it. Some people think they preach culture. They preach that they want their people to shine and to be empowering to their employees. And they don't activate the things that allow it. And I can tell, I don't know, maybe this is just a really cool trait that I have. But if people are not, I can just tell if they're not really in it. And so I move Mm. on and I look for people who are just looking for that genuine connection or like my biggest purpose in putting on the workshops where I have on, you know, just Saturday afternoons or my four week classes where people just general public can sign up once they've experienced, then they go, Oh, I could take this back to the place I work, or I could take this to my family reunion or, you know, whatever it is, people have their own specific ahas. And so truly I get a lot of stuff that toggles between people who have signed up because their business coach told them to take an improv class And then they in turn can refer Mm -hmm. me to someone that they're a client that they're coaching, that they're doing internal restructuring and whatever. And so it's really a kind of a fun dance between um, um, serving each other and finding our talents that complement each other as we're all working on our different goals. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine that, your your class you, the people that attend your classes are your biggest advocates because like you said it is experiential yeah. and then they can go out and do your do your bidding for you for lack of a better word a lot of it yeah and then once a company will get bring me in like i have had someone like a, a friend a friend of a friend hired me for his company event for 25 people or whatever and he worked for a huge company with many groups and then he referred other people within his group. And then they didn't even have to know me and they didn't even have to really know the process. He was just like, you need this for your next team building event. Just trust me. And yeah, so it, it's been yeah. really magical that, um, and then, you know, then those people like people again, and then it starts becoming more removed from people I know because now I get referred to people that I don't even know, then they have the experience. And then it's so in within that company, I've done five groups all from the one person who was a friend of a friend who still didn't even really know what the process was, which is pretty fascinating to see that yeah. some people are really just willing. That shows me that those people in that company were willing to try something that sounded unique and unusual and they didn't have all the answers and they went for it anyway. Yeah, that's a bold a bold move. But also, like I think a lot of us could relate to the fact of sometimes the things that you know nothing about or you have no idea what it is, it might be the biggest beneficial you know experience in your life, right? Totally. Oh, I totally. But back to that idea, yeah. Like if we, we think we know what to do and how to get our goals and this and that, but we're looking at it through this lens of our own perception and how how cloudy is that, right? Right. Oh, I totally agree. So, so what are the, we? You touched on some of the takeaways that you've seen people that go through the class, or they've either given you feedback, or you've experienced this. What are the, some of the things that they come away with in their experience, like the way they feel or the way they approach life? You know, it's a, a little bit of a mixed bag. Almost all of it is positive. Occasionally, though, because of the structure and because of the fact that it becomes a safe place for people to say or do things that might be a little out of their norm. Um, And some of the exercises are, they're they're designed to take you internal a little bit. And so Mm -hmm. there have been several times where people will get triggered unintentionally um, because they've either, Mm. somehow a memory has been spurred from a childhood situation that was not pleasant or something from a relationship that went sideways um, or, you know, different, we all have different things, right? Yeah. And so the beauty of the space that 
I get to work in is that it allows those connections in that safe space. And yet I've learned that it needs to be, I need to be cautious to not inadvertently pull up something that people are not ready to pull up or I can imagine like I actually do. I recently have added a little bit of a disclaimer to let people know, Hey, you may feel some things and it might bring Mm -hmm. things up for you. And that is part of the process. And I have a huge database of people I can refer if they do end up wanting to address those things. Like, honestly, that's what I want to have happen. My, my biggest fantasy of my work is to use it in ways that are healing and help people make progress because it's, that's been what it's done for me. It brings joy back into my life in the moments that I need it most. And so it makes this safe space. And so the takeaways are that people it's, it's always that people are like, that was not what I expected. They thought they were going to be put on the spot or made to feel like they have to be funny. And really it's not about that at all. It's about human connection. It's about understanding how you show up in the moment. It's about stepping into your personal strength and your confidence and your deliverable, whatever that is. And then respecting your neighbor has the same innate worth. Right. And, um, and so it becomes a lot more emotionally involved and thought provoking than people would think than just stepping in and being like, well, I'm going to do some goofy scenes. And those things are, are fun because we've understood why connection is important. That's the, that's why comedy works. It's because of connection. It's because of human interaction and emotional connection that we're looking for. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, so were you were you surprised to see that some of these, like when you first went into this thinking again, back to where the, the thinking and expectations, are you surprised to see where it's that those kind of things are coming up? Some almost sounds like emotional healing or, or working through traumas that have been repressed. Are you surprised about that? Initially, like in the very first couple times that it happened, I was not surprised at the fact that it was happening. I was a little surprised and frustrated that it took me that long to understand how to help facilitate that. Cause there's a, a, a mm. balance that I've learned that, I mean, I already knew it would, it could do that because I've, been I've personally broken down into tears many times at the positive power of using yes and in my life like using it as an acceptance tool of some really challenging things it's easy to say yes to the fun lighthearted exciting things it's really uh, a chance to put your your whole being to the test when you have to work through the hard stuff so I already knew that it worked it was just interesting for me to transition from the mindset of keeping things in a corporate environment. I have to be a little bit more careful to not dig as deep, but to show them what is there. So like not making people feel so exposed that they're not going to want to show up to work tomorrow. You know what I mean? Um, so it's a little mm. different when I'm working with an actual team, I will like open their eyes, hopefully enough with some exercises that they get to see the magic that is there and hopefully they would want to continue as an individual. And then in the groups where it's just general public signing up, it um, it's not surprising so much as it just gives me head to toe chills every time when I do certain exercises, if I can tell the dynamic of the team is that they meld some melt quicker than others and in more mm-hmm. open ways. And so I can do some of the more in depth exercises 
and they and they will come to kind of joyful, tender moments. And there will be this just sometimes no talking at all. And there's such a surge of energy of human connection and validation. And so it, it doesn't surprise me anymore. Um, it, it just, it makes me so excited to be alive and it makes me want to just serve others even more and help them see how special and unique we are and how we overcomplicate stuff so much and it doesn't have to be so hard. <laughs> so true. So true. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, tell, tell me if you would about your, you know, so did the comedy lead into the improv? Did like, it sounds like you did stand up first and then improv or how did that play out? I started improv first actually by a few years. Um, and I had been invited into that world by my brother who, who was more familiar with improv. And so I jumped into that, um, pretty blindly and thought, Oh wow, this is a really cool, fun, um, performance outlet. I've always been goofy and high energy and love making people laugh and singing all the time. And just, very much a little performer mode everywhere I go. And, and, um, to find an outlet for me was really great. So that was in 2006. I started in the improv world, um, as a performance art. And then I have, I really quickly saw how much it was shaping the way that I was showing up every day, just as a regular, as a human. Right. And then mm-hmm. my friends, some of my friends were in standup at the time and were also doing improv. And so then I stumbled into that one unwilling, unwillingly. <laughs> I mean, I say that, but it was like, Unwillingly. I, so te- yeah, tell me about your first experience. <laughs> I went to an open mic night where my friend was hosting and some of the other local comics were performing because that's where an open mic is where people go and they practice potential material. They see if it's even going to work, if it makes people laugh, how to word things. It's like a whole, it's like exercising Mm -hmm. for your, or your art. And so I was there watching. And then my friend, um, announced the next comedian as Megan Bryant. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. But then I knew deep down, I was like, Oh crap, I can't say no. And so I went up and it was only three minutes. And um, most open mics are very short amounts of time for brand new people. And, um, so I just told some story, some true story. I knew enough about comedy that it has to be rooted in truth. And so I just told a story about a recent trip I had taken for my day job and talked about some goofy things that I do when I'm on the airplane. And, and there was a couple little giggles out in the audience and, um, Mm -hmm. and some very supportive (laughs) looks on people's faces and I didn't die. And then I was like, oh, crap. Now, now I have to try this, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, a lot of really the greatest things in my life have come from other people offering me the opportunity and me saying yes to it um, and trying it. And and so, yeah, it that's how you were I kind of thrown it. in the deep end there, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and and then it wasn't as scary as I thought it was. That's the thing that I found in life is. I can't actually, I cannot think of something that I have ever done in life where I was so scared and then I finally did it. And it was in fact as scary or scarier than I thought. It's always not as bad as I thought or, or just the fact that it was as scary or difficult, but I could do it. And so then that raised my confidence. Mm -hmm. So I just, I just am so obsessed with people taking an opportunity to say yes and try because 
then you yeah, it, it builds, doesn't it? Because once you do the thing, yeah, then then you realize, hey, I'm I didn't die. I love I love that you said that. Yeah, I'm still here kicking, and I overcame a fear, so I'm that much stronger, right? Right, and it helps people find out what they don't want to do. I think there's a lot of value instead of sitting in a space of indecision. To actually go, okay, okay, well, here's my options. Ah, I don't, well, what happens if I do this? What happens if I, quit asking what happens and just try one of them. And then if you hate mm. it, then you don't have to do it anymore. And now you know, okay, option A was not a good fit. And then you move on instead of sitting in that space of, I don't know, I can't make a decision. What if someone sees me fail? What if I embarrass myself? Whatever it is that we do to hold ourselves back, when in fact saying yes and just trying the thing will help us eliminate the things we don't want way quicker. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think, you know, because I, I definitely have that mindset throughout life and it, who knows how it got implanted or what it's this, it's this notion of almost like don't, you don't want to take an action if you know it's not going to work out or it might not work out. And then it kind of keeps you boxed, doesn't yeah, it? It sure does. It sure does. Ah, absolutely. So after the first, you were thrown up on stage, then did you get that bug and you started <laughs> regularly going up and doing comedy? How, yeah, how did it play out? Pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I'm really like a strategic person. I have to understand how things work in order to feel like I can put my best foot forward. And so a friend of mine actually stumbled upon a stand-up comedy class at the University of Washington. And it was a one week mm -hmm. class. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So I signed up for this class. I flew myself to Seattle. Um, it was three nights of like how to write a joke and practicing in front of our class and these seasoned comedians who were teaching microphone etiquette. How do you talk with people in the clubs? Like all these things so I could fast track my ability to approach it. And then the, the final for the class was a show at the Comedy Underground in Seattle, which is a really cool, legit club. And it was wow. a whole room full of friends and family of most of the people that took it obviously were local. I was the only one that flew in, but um, it, it, it was like we, we went from zero material to about a five minute set in a week. And so then I, of course I was hooked and it's easy to get me hooked on being on a stage anyway, but I had to understand if I could do it in a way that was professional and I could be confident in how I look like I know what I was doing. I don't like to fumble for too long once I make a decision to do something. So yeah, I decided you dive in. Yeah. I like want to learn how to do it. What have other people done before that? I love to learn from other people's mistakes. Um, and so I sort of fast tracked at the time I thought I was fast tracking myself and then uh, life took some other turns. So I just didn't have the amount of time you really need to go to every open mic and to really get in. You have to do a lot of free work to get your legs under you as a stand-up comedian. And then even once you get to a point where you're getting paid, it's minimal until you are at some sort of celebrity status. And it's just not sustainable. I recognize that pretty quickly that anything in a club environment was not going to be the right path for me. Um, and so then again, it was like keeping that corporate mindset of how do I go in and use that comedic talent in the corporate environment? And that's where I've kind of found my sweet spot. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it, that, 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 um, investment and the time investment in that plays into what you're currently doing, doesn't it? Oh yeah, for sure. It, it all goes in. It does. And I still, I still dance around occasionally. Like I just did a weekend at, at the local club in Boise where, where I live. And, um, and it, uh, it was, you got to do those things really to just 
stretch your chops and, and it's a different environment. And, and I, I like to do that to challenge myself. Um, so yeah, I still dabble in there a little bit, but it's absolutely not what pays the bills. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. So speaking of challenging yourself, um, back to my original statement. So you just did a Spartan race. What <laughs> What in the heck were you thinking? Uh, I wasn't thinking. <laughs> That's awesome, by the way. Congratulations. Super inspiring. Oh my gosh, thank you. I, You know, what was weird is I had that week that I signed up, I had been thinking, I was feeling like I'd overcome so many emotional challenges in the past few years, navigating through a divorce and doing some big shifts, um, stepping into my own space um, and some, th- some some big shifts with my religious position, um, stepping away from the church that I grew up in uh, just to get some breathing room in life. And so a lot of my emotional and spiritual um, journey had been happening for s- several years. And then I was realizing along the way, I've been trying to be healthier physically. A year and a half ago, I started to really be mindful of what I'm putting into my body, how I'm eating, drinking plenty of water, making sure I do something active every day, as little as it might be a little walk to the park with my kids, or or maybe it's a day that I actually get to go out for a jog or whatever. I was committed to shifting, but I, I didn't really know how to challenge myself. And so I saw a friend who posted, hey, I just signed up for a Spartan race. You know, the prices are still at this rate until whatever date. And I would love to have you on my team, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, that's so <laughs> This <awful."> is it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this sounds terrible. And I'm terrified. And I guess, oh, crap, where's my credit card? I guess I got to do it. Um, and so I signed uh-huh. up. And honestly, I didn't know enough about it. Or Good I, for you. I wouldn't have done it if I... I didn't. But so kind of, kind of like the comedy maybe, right? Absolutely. I just, yeah. Cause I think if we look too far ahead, we underestimate our own abilities. And so I honest to goodness did not look at the full list of obstacles until the night before the race, because I, yeah. I just knew it was going to be hard and I didn't want to scare myself because I'm afraid of water and I'm afraid of heights. And both of those are involved. And, and so I just was like, yeah. I'm going to just, prep myself as best as I can. And I'm going to just try it. And my goal was to get across the finish line and not die. And and it, and it happened, obviously, right? It turned out I actually did really well. I completed 16 of the 20 obstacles and put in a good effort on the other four. And, and, there were, and then it ended up being even more delightful to see this giant community of people who are trying to be better people. So there was people cheering each other on. Total strangers were helping me in moments where they could see fear in my eyes. Like, there was people that had done it before that were giving me mm-hmm. strategies of how to get over a certain obstacle. And I just, I almost came to tears a couple times because yeah. there, were, there were total strangers being like, you got this, you got this. And, and, um, and just, it was amazing. And that's where I get so driven by trying the hard things because the, the results and the camaraderie of other people who are in that arena, who are saying yes to hard things. That's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's awesome. I mean, again, that's just a super awesome thing. Let, let me let me ask you this: How do you think comedy and that vehicle helps you get through challenging situations in life like that, physically, mentally, emotionally, mm-hmm. or does it? It does. Oh, it always does. I'm constantly looking for um, for that release that uh, of the tension that comedy gives me, and sometimes it's not when it's funny. Like my friends. <laughs> 
Well, sometimes when I'm venting and I'm really mad, I'm just throwing words out there. And then they laugh when I'm really mad. And then they're like, that's good. I can imagine. They're like, are you being serious? Are you joking? Right. Right. That's when I will actually make some good notes. But like when I'm in, it's the moment I'm in a challenge that I become very, very hyper aware of all the factors that are contributing to that. Because I want to be able to understand what are the things that are bringing pain points and how do I avoid them and process them in a healthy way and, and, and move through them and not stay in the, in the anger of the soup that we sometimes sit in and we're boiling over. And, and comedy for me, because you know, I could do a whole other lesson on the difference between comedy where some comedians do stuff in there. And it, it does come from a mean, angry place where they're bashing on stuff and it can be very divisive, obviously in politicals uh, or religious or whatever type of categories, um, adoption versus abortion. Like there's some very sensitive things that some people, Mm -hmm. they want to go there because they want to trigger people in a shock value way. And I recognize that and I, I appreciate that. And I just, I guess I always use comedy, my understanding and my passion for it to know that I want to use it as a way to con- to connect and to pull that tension out of a situation. And so, uh, yeah, I'm just always looking at things and I, I will make comments in my own brain all the time and figure out, is this going to be something that is hurtful or helpful for myself or for people? Like before I even say things out loud, sometimes I'm like, mm, okay, I don't want to be bitter and censor, censor yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I do only a little bit because I do want people to know that even though I've gone through a really hard stuff, I don't, I'm not mad about it. I'm not angry at the people who have done things that hurt me, whether they did it on purpose or accidentally, everyone's going through their own journey and we're very self-centered really. And, um, and so nobody's really thinking about the other people as often, unless something really negative has happened. I don't know. There's a whole, a whole dialogue, Mm -hmm. there, but it's absolutely always in my mind um, of how is this experience something that I can use to connect people? And, and then when you find those connecting points, that's how I can structure my jokes is to be, be funny about the things that we can all be like, Oh man, yeah. When that happens, that's the worst because then we're all in it together. We're not, mm-hmm. it's not like, Oh, I'm the only one going through this. And blah, 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 blah. it's, it's still a very connecting tool for me. Did that answer your question? I can imagine. And I'm sure Absolutely. Yeah, it does. You know, because the reason I ask that is because I I do believe that it, you know, laughter helps us release tension and gets us tuned in with the joy and, and can be really healing and cathartic. And so that's why I asked you that, you know, facing challenges, some people who don't have that tool, you know, they haven't developed that laughter muscle or that comedy muscle. I think they have a little bit uh, they've got to now deal with the emotional stuff, the tension that doesn't get released. And yeah. so I think it's a valuable, valuable tool. Absolutely. And it doesn't have to necessarily always be funny. haha. It's like, there's some little comedic tools that just allow you to accept the things that are happening and, and not stay there. Like there, I, you can definitely sense it when you're around people who don't know how to process it. They're the people that are really angry and that are, you know, finding joy and trolling the the internet and being mean to other people and using sarcasm a lot. Like uh, sarcasm is a dangerous territory in my opinion because sometimes people say really mean things and they they act like 
oh, that was just a joke. You can't take a joke. And it's like, well, that wasn't yeah. a joke. I was saying <laughs> something rude, but you're, you're saying it in a way that you're pretending it's a joke. And so, yeah, some people just, it's, it's challenging. And it hurts my soul to see when people just mm-hmm. stay stuck and they're so mad and they're so angry at other people that have hurt them or a religion that has hurt them or whatever it is. And, and they just don't even know how to get out of it. And it really mm, mm-hmm. it hurts me. I can, I can certainly see that. We, I, yeah, it makes me think of, you know, how life has been descri- described as the tragedy and the comedy, right? To kind Absolutely. of both things all bundled in. Yeah. It has to be it's both. It's so interesting. It has to be both. It, well, it makes it rich, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it, it makes it worthwhile and like variety and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, I've heard it said that, you know, if we didn't have the tragedy or if we didn't have the, have the so-called quote unquote bad times, we couldn't have the good times Absolutely. and we need those. Yeah. I think, I think there's a huge tendency in, as human beings to like say, Oh, I only want things to be awesome all the time. And I never want to have, you know, and we, we numb ourselves in whatever way we do. And we, but it just doesn't work like that. Does it? It sure doesn't. It's exhausting. Interesting. Yes. Yes. So tell me about your, your book here before, as we get close to wrapping up here. Um, what was the process? Was this something that wanted to come through you? And the book I'm referring to for people that are listening is not my plan, sucking it in until I had to push it out, which, you know, as a man reading this, I mean, I'm I'm looking for ways to identify and I certainly can because I think you convey the, the experience you went through. We all have something we, we go through like that. Yeah. Was this something that wanted to come through you for some time that you've had in the work or, or what's, what's the story there? Well, I think from the many years, so the, the fact that that story was based off of hiding an entire pregnancy up until delivery and then being kind of encouraged to move on with my life all those years ago and not really talk about it a whole lot. Um, it was something that obviously was really, it was simmering deep within me for many, many years. And I felt like I shouldn't bring it up. And then I, I finally dawned on me as it was, um, in recent years on the home stretch of when I was going to be able to potentially reunite with this baby I had had and had ultimately placed her for adoption. And I had reconnected, um, phone call with a phone call on Facebook with her mother who adopted her. And we were both feeling strong urges of sharing our story of adoption just to keep the dialogue open um, around what happened. You know, what are the options when you have an unplanned pregnancy? Um, Because politically, you hear a lot about abortion and or keeping the baby. Those are the two options that are the most widely, most commonly talked about and lesser on the adoption front. And so we just wanted to uh, throw some open dialogue in there. And honestly, I didn't really want to write a book because it's hard. (laughs) I can imagine. Draining. And and I didn't really want to pick at those scabs that had kind of healed back then, although I learned through that process that there was a lot of stuff I still needed to resolve from those many years ago. And so that's been such a great blessing in my life. Um, But no, it wasn't really planned. It eventually the, the thought occurred to kind of both of us at the same time that we wanted to share some positive adoption stories. I thought it was just going to be a blog post and a video and I would be done. And then uh, I felt uh, some strong urges that it needed to be a little bit more of an unpacking, partially because I was going through some some kind of heavy marital challenges at the time. And I wanted to give my um, husband at the time some breathing room to work on some things he was working on and see if we could get on the same page. And so I needed something to focus on as well. And so I went from start to finish to like book in hand in less than six months, which is not 
wow. a normal process, but I put my head down. I was constantly, I just wanted to get it done. I, do, I dug up my old journal mm-hmm. and pulled out all those files from back then. I opened up those wounds to feel all those feelings. Um, and then I realized how much what the book actually ended up telling me was why comedy is so important. Cause I didn't even realize until I read it back to myself that I had talked about what my journey was to getting into comedy and how much that has been something that has carried me um, through life and how, it, how vital it has become and, and how much we live in the space of judgment of ourselves and others. And, and sure, as you said, my journey included this unplanned pregnancy. Yet it, the, the themes I hoped would be relevant to anyone because just showing that we all have struggles and then we get mm-hmm. what to do with it. And so it's been, it's been really great, a difficult journey. I've since reunited with, with that family, with my, my daughter and, and learning how to navigate that relationship um, has challenges too, even though we love each other and had such a positive experience, we still are human mm-hmm. struggling to find these balances and relationships. And now, you know, we're a couple years into that and it's been a beautiful thing. And now I can look back 20 years ago, this was almost 20 years ago, the pregnancy and, and the things that serve me now, because I let them become a positive thing that shaped me. I, I continue to be showered with blessings from having that experience under my belt. And that's my biggest drive with, with everything I do is sharing stories and connecting with the humor and, and knowing we can survive the hard things and then let those things be a, a, a badge of honor instead of a negative label or a, a statistic, blah, blah, blah. Who cares if you're a statistic? Like if we look yeah. at statistics, let's learn like, why are those things happening? How do we change things for the better? Like, it's all good. It's all well, and like you said, it, it, yeah, and you furthering that gut conversation, you know, I mean, it was just, you know, re- reading it was super gripping that you actually hid this pregnancy for that long and talking about some of the feelings you were going through at the time. Yeah, it was, it was an, it's an intense read. Thanks. And, but I like the way that you did put the humor into it. And, and I think that helps it connect. Like you mentioned, you can connect with people once you kind of play with that, you know, string that connects us all. Right. Right. And when we, when we connect, then we don't feel so alone. I think that's what I love the most is occasionally I hear from people that they've read a book or heard one of my podcasts or whatever it is. And then they're like, I can totally relate to that. And then for those moments, Mm. we don't feel alone. And, and sometimes we do like, I've had those moments in the dark of night, you know, crying on my floor, wondering what my life's purpose is supposed to be. And why is it so hard? And I'm mad at God and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone has those moments. And so the times that I get to go, Oh my gosh, they get it. They have, we have these shared feelings and maybe not exact experiences, but we get it. And then, and then it's just, you know, we get through one more day or sometimes we get through one more minute and, and we count that as a victim. Yeah. And, and so it's very wonderful and powerful and scary and fulfilling all at once. I can imagine. Yeah. And, and I think the other, you know, the thing, like you said, everyone has those highs and lows, those good and bad days. Um, sometimes I think there's a perception in the world that some people don't have those, the people right. that have so-called made it or, you know, have all their you know ducks in a row, but it's just not true, is it? No, it never is. And I think that's the fun that I have yeah. with the, with that space, especially in improv is, is that it's ne- we're never going to get to a place probably where we're just easy street for a long period of time. Life is the struggle and the joy simultaneously. And so being able to put those two together constantly will only serve you. 
Mm, so true. So as we get close to wrapping up, because you have you know, a lot of things that you've created out there and, you know, the opportunities for people to, you know, do the improv and stuff. Will you run through a a list of ways that people can learn more about you and your work, including your podcast? Talk about that. Um, Just give us the kind of a, for people listening, and I'll also include this in the show notes so people can find out more about you and your work. If you could kind of do a rundown of stuff that you've got out there for people to find. Yeah. The, one of the easiest ways to connect is my website is meetmeganbryant.com, which has all the things, the book, improv, stand up, like all the blurbs and connections to social media. I'm super active on Instagram. That's my favorite. So that's at kooky Megan, K O O K Y M E G A N, which is also my Twitter handle and whatever else. I'm hardly ever on Twitter, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. It's super easy to find me. Even if you just Google Megan Bryant comedian Boise, like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff. I can't really hide anything in life anymore. Um, but yeah, right. my website is probably <laughs> the best because it does link to my podcast, which is called I, Har- I Hardly Know Her, which is uh, stemming from one of the next books that I'm working on. Cause I always like to do that jokes. It's like, you know, you see the sign of a liquor store liquor. I hardly know her. I, I'm always like, the, I hardly yeah, know her. Exactly. So then I'm like, wait a minute. Well, who, who is anybody? We hardly know each other until we open up and share stories. And so that's the name of my podcast. And I love that. Yeah. So that's the meaning behind that, the yeah, title of your exactly. podcast. Yeah. And then, yeah, just really, I love it. yeah, we don't have to, we don't have to be like these amazing celebrity wide known, you know, we don't need a hundred thousand followers to do big things in life. And so that's kind of the energy behind the podcast. I know. Yeah. I like that. That's one of your messages there that, cause sometimes I think people, we, we get in this like thinking that, Oh, I need to have either a lot of money to do these good works. Or I need to know people. It's just not true. Is it? Yeah, absolutely. Start with yourself. It starts with making yeah, yourself a better, happier person. And then everything else starts to fall into place. Exactly. So true. So, so people can find, find you at meet Megan, Brian, and all of your stuff then feeds off into yep. that. Yeah. Oh, I just finally had that sucker Perfect. totally revamped. So it's pretty user-friendly and has all the Megan goodies in one place. I saw that. It is a great looking website. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a fairly new revision. Yeah. Huh? yeah. That guy actually happened to be drugged to one of my improv classes by his wife. And then, uh, Anyway, we both, yeah, I love looking for that. I've had so many times oh, really? classes and then it ends up being like, we get, we're on each other's podcasts or we do other things for each other or, you know, then I, I was yes. in need of a new website and he happened to be a web designer. So, yeah. It looks great. Yeah. I, I noticed that. I, I forget what your, I think I've remembered your past one, but yeah, this is, it looks super fresh and super yeah. good. Was he a brand? A branding guy too, or what, just a yeah, straight up website? He designer. does some of the branding stuff as well. Very talented designer. He loves to, his sweet spot though, is building the websites and he loves doing um, video recording stuff. Uh, Zach Springer, if I'm allowed to uh, give his name plug, but he also, yeah, audio, sure. Yeah. Give free plug. Yeah. yeah. He audio recorded my book as well so that I could put it on audible. Um, so he does a lot of the things where, yeah, it's those technical, the technical side to make us creative types and whatever, any business look pretty and, and modern yeah. streamlined. So I, I saw that you, your book is on Kindle audible mm-hmm. and as a print version. Yep. So those are the three ways, right? Yep. 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 When did you publish it by the way? It was actually what, what, published in, was it this year? No, no, no. It was actually published in June, 2016. So it's been, it, Oh, that long ago. Yeah, but huh? I, I really didn't do anything with it. <laughs> so now I'm like, as I'm working on my next book, I've been relaunching this book cause I really never marketed it. it I just, 
it was a labor of love for, for two years. Yeah. And then I was like, oh man, but just to see that and the progress and changes that I've gone through since I wrote that book has been really just another testament to how exciting life can be if we just keep our nose to the grind and keep working and, and saying yes to doing the things that are the best for us. So um, yeah, I just started rebuilding yeah. that momentum because I hadn't really ever done a whole lot with it before. And like, uh, I guess I should do something with this book that I wrote. Well, and I've, I find that too, you know, the things we've created can sometimes sit there till we're ready to promote them, right? And yeah. then you can pick them up and run, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so will you give us a glimpse of your, your coming book? And yeah. you said it's based on the title of your podcast, yeah. is that right? Yeah, the, the title is Influencer. I hardly know her because it's exactly oh, what we great. were talking about is like, who the heck, it's a little bit of a mockery of why, like, we just think, oh, I'm going to be an influencer, blah, blah, blah. But really, <laughs> we need to bring that all internal. So it's a lot about, like, what are we allowing to influence us? How are we allowing the world, the religions we grew up in, our family dynamics, this, uh, you know, this, the, the town we were, were grown up or grown up, grew up in, all these little factors or even what type of media do we consume um, and then how are we reciprocating that back out into the world? And so it's like you, we have this perception of what a quote unquote influencer is supposed to be. And yet what value are we adding? If you're just trying to be an influencer for the sake of being an influencer and get people to hmm. follow you, but your, your intent is not to increase the joy among humanity, then that, to me, that doesn't count. You don't get to just do that. Um, so it's sort of my yeah. opinions on and taking all of these things that we are learning and growing from and being the best person we can and continuing to learn and evolve and love others. And then our, our influence will naturally become hopefully a positive one to our kids or the, or the people that we spend time or our church congregation, wherever we go, if we focus on being better ourselves, that's where the influence needs to start. Wow. I think that th that's going to like positively shake up the, the, the internet, so to speak, the cyberspace because it's, it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, what's the time frame? When, when are you projecting to release that? I have it in with a publisher. I have a manuscript pretty well fleshed out and I am looking for some different options to publish. Uh, I learned some hard lessons the first time. Did you? With uh, my first book, I paid more than I needed to just because I needed to get it done. Yeah. Um, and so it, a lot of it is already written. The photo shoot for the book cover has already happened. I It could be as soon as a couple of months. It might end up being longer. I really... I don't know, but I believe it will be no. done when it's when it's supposed to be done. Sure, sure. Sounds like yeah. Sounds like a lot of it is is well underway yeah, though, if not sure. close. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, that's that's exciting what what you're doing, Megan. I appreciate you sharing your journey with me. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Absolutely. Well, we'll wrap it up then. And again, thanks so much for hanging out. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, what'd you think? Super awesome, right? So I hope you came away with some ideas and concepts that you can apply to your own life to have a better experience. I know that I did. And I want to thank Megan for joining me on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. If you want to share your feedback, maybe you've taken the improv class, maybe you know Megan or, or read her book and want to share, join in the conversation, the best place to do that is on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash gmarkphillips. This episode, as, long as, as well as all the episodes of Enhancing the Human Experience, 
ultimately go up on YouTube as well as any of your favorite podcast players. I like YouTube because it's a great platform to share information and knowledge. We can uh, find out what's worked for other people, what insights, all the good stuff that YouTube is for. So again, you can find that at youtube.com slash gmarkphillips. And while you're there, why not subscribe? Like I said, all these podcasts go up there. You can capture them all and find just the one you need to help you have a better experience in any area of your life. So I want to thank you for tuning in today. I really do appreciate it. And until next time, all the best, health, wealth, and success. Bye-bye.